There's one game each year when the entire football world draws breath to etch another batch of champions into the history books. And right in Rioli, Rioli, brilliant here. Around his body goes Fremont. And here comes North Melbourne. Gives it off to Hodge. Come the moment. Step up the man. One game on the hallowed turf of the MCG, where legends are born. Play to Lockett. Play Tony. Left foot goal. Sensational. And hearts are broken. He must run in a straight line and kick the goal. And he misses. That's pressure. That one game is the AFL Grand Final. But he seizes the moment. The Magpies back in France. Stevens captures the man sailor for North Melbourne. This is the story of the great moments. Leach can't manufacture a mark. The great rivalries. Jonathan Brown is down and he looks in big trouble. Little handball comes out. Whip oh. under. Oh. And his head ripped off by Big Bad Perry. And it's on. The stars that make the game. That's what I'm talking about. And the people that lead them to glory. The longest premiership drought in football history is over. To the people who have waited 72 years. Here it is. This is the Don't Argue Grand Final Series, powered by BetEasy. Here's Ben Dixon and Jay Clark. Grand Final Edition, we're going to take a look at 2008. The Cats, 21 of 22 games during the home and away season to tie with Essendon of 2000 for the record. The Cats beat St Kilda by 58 points in the qualifying final and then the Dogs by 27 in the prelim. Jay, they were up and about. They were the team to beat in this one. There's no doubt about that, Dicko. And the Hawks were building, weren't they, under Alistair Clarkson. They were a younger side. It was their first grand final since 1991, Hawthorne. So they were due. Still finished second on the ladder, of course, with 17 wins and five losses. And it had been a long time since someone had kicked 100. Well, Dunstall was the last one. But Buddy won the common with 102 goals. Ooh, and they were hot. Because yep. they beat the Dogs by 51 points in the qualifying final and then followed that up with the Saints by 54 in a prelim. Clarko... Had them up and about being the underdogs. Yeah, but still the Cats were the, were the hot favourites, weren't they? They were going or gunning for back-to-back flags. The Hawks are clear outsiders. They were uh, $3.05 for the win, uh, and it was a good price looking back, Dicko. Well, I promise to be partial in this one, but we do catch <laughs> up with a couple of the stars from the 2008 in Brad Sewell and Cameron Mooney. Yes, they take 15 consecutive wins into this grand final, just as Lee Matthews' Brisbane team in 01 and Carlton in 95 did. 15 straight. They look calm. They look very relaxed for a side that's got a fair bit of pressure on their shoulders. Can't help thinking about that stat we mentioned earlier, Bruce. Joel Selwood, if he wins this afternoon, the premierships will equal the losses in his career. Moon's built up to the 08 granny during mm. the week. Invincibility, 15 straight. Almost, you can't lose this one. What are you thinking going into it? Uh, yeah, probably on the back of that, we were, we were a great team. Uh, well, unbelievable footy team. We came off, obviously, the 07 one, and we lost, we lost to Collingwood in, like, round eight, I think it was, and then we just went on this great run. The problem was we started training in October in 07. 
went all the way through to, and then all the way through to 08 grand final and virtually played the same 26 players. So there was a few boys who were just cooked. Hmm. Um, and then by the time we got there, we thought we'll probably – look, there was a little bit of arrogance probably on my part. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in the warm-ups, really, I went past the photographer – and like, this isn't a, this wasn't against Hawthorne or anything. I just I was so confident in what we could do, yeah, so confident. Be the best team in it. And I went past the uh, the, the cameraman. I said, "Mate, uh, just make sure you get a couple of photos with me in the cup and my son." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it wasn't like I said, it wasn't an arrogance of you know we're so bloody good, we're going to beat Hawthorne. It was just I was so confident in what this group could produce. Unfortunately, by the time we got there, we were a bit cooked and we came up against a side that was just on top of their Mm. game and they embarrassed us. One of those blokes was Matty Stokes. So I remember there being Mm. some debate about whether he would play that week and he ends up getting a huge job on Mm. Luke Hodge, who had some sore ribs himself. Matthew Stokes, uh, looks like he's... Here we go. He's frisk again. Just the target. They've come for him already. And away we go. The grand final. Back to back for the Cats. But can the Hawks pull off an upset? It was it was a tactical move that didn't work, did it? No. Look, twelve months earlier in the in the 2007 prelim against Collingwood, uh, we thought that they were all going to basically Collingwood defenders were going to fall back in the hole, and I was just going to make a big contest, and the ball hit the ground. And there was Stokesy. And he kicked three goals in the first quarter. So we thought, this is what's going to happen. We, we had a feeling Hodgie was going to do the same thing. I actually had an argument with the coach during the week because I wanted Rookie mm. to play on him because I was just going to wind Rookie up and get the eyes rolling and just tell him to go out there and try and kill him. Um, <laughs> and look, this is where, though, I remember you talk about Stokesy hitting him and I remember talking about it the whole first quarter and doing it. I was going to punch him. I was going to kill him. I was going to run through him. And I did. I hit him in the ribs. And every time I hit him, he'd give me a little wink and a smile. And, <laughs> and I was just getting more and more frustrated with him. That's why I put Hodgie down as probably the top three toughest blokes I've ever seen play the game. Yeah. Well, you, you hear that insight, Sully, and you go, right, I 15 straight. And I was lucky enough to be part-time coach. But when the players were going to that game, Surioli played every game. You know, playing in his first mm. grand final. Everyone was playing their first granny bar, Stuart Jew. Um, what were you thinking going into that game? I mean, Clarko had wound us up as well, and mm. our rationale was they'd won you know, 15, 14, 15 straight, mm. whatever it was. It means they're one closer to, to getting knocked off. And all of the outside noise, all the periphery um, talk was about Geelong, mm. how good a team they were, how good a club they were off the back of the year before, which just fed into our own psyche. It was us against the rest of the world. And, mm. and Clarko loves that, as, mm. as you know. And um, we were, you know, we were the only people that thought that Hawthorne had a genuine chance. And, we, you know, we had that really strong belief, mm. and that was one of Clarko's greatest strengths, obviously. And, um, you know, we went into that game really confident, and um, and – it kind of played into our hands, particularly in the first half. What about um, Clarko? So you think tactician, everyone thinks Clarko, you know, very sophisticated with his delivery, but uh, not sure how good your memory is, but remember when we walked in, it was just a shark on the board? <laughs> that was that was it. <laughs> a shark. <laughs> and because I was, boys were out warming up, I was in, walked in with Dimmer and that, and I went, what's going on here? Sharks, they have to have forward momentum. Sharks die. They die if they get caught in the net. 
because there's no water and oxygen running over the hills. So as soon as they stop, they die. What's that got to do with this? They're trying to come through us like a shark. Good luck to them. Good luck to them on the grand final, big stage, lots of pressure. The best defensive pressure side of the competition they're coming up against. And they haven't got a win-loss ratio record against us that favours them over the last five times we've played them. And we have to kill this shark as early as we possibly can. So talk us through well, a player's perspective. Well, one of, the, one of the best things that came off the back of that was the, the coaches beforehand trying to work out how do we draw this bloody shark on the whiteboard. Clarko had, um, had dreamt up this shark idea concept the morning off. And the idea was, you know, Geelong were so good offensively going forward, chain of hands, they rip it through. And um, we had the... The, the press or the cluster or whatever it was and um, the idea was defensively mm. just to stop you in your tracks and shark can't go backwards <laughs> I need water going through the gills so um, genius it's pretty from memory gosh 10 years ago I can't, mm. but from memory we're all pretty relaxed mm. it'd been we'd, enjo- we'd really enjoyed the build up enjoyed the week um a uh, hell of a lot of stake, of course, but we're pretty relaxed going in. There's no doubt a few sideways glances when we'd seen the shark on the whiteboard. <laughs> well, it was funny because Surioli looked at it and went, mm, yeah, I like the shark idea, <laughs> and he was the Tassie devil, wasn't he? But Moons, when you sort of just touched on the press or the cluster, mm. did you know what you were going to get in terms of their structure and we, their system? Yeah, we did. And look, in, in all fairness, I mean, I think you guys averaged, I think it was in the 40s as far as inside 50s against. So it was really low number, yeah. and we had 60-odd for the day. So mm. we actually got through it. Mm. But our problem was we got through it because we had too many numbers in the midfield. I know he's probably going to hate me if he hears this, but Jono tried to win back-to-back North Smith, so he went up the ground <laughs> trying to get his 30-plus possessions, <laughs> which he did, but he left me about three out. Like yeah. I was double-teamed, triple-teamed, because mm. we had, and Chappie was up there as well. So as forwards, we didn't play a good game. We didn't play at home. We didn't stay at home. We didn't play as forwards. We should have let our midfield, which was one of the best midfields of all time, go to work. We had a great defence. But we had too many boys up the midfield, so we got the ball through. Mm. Problem was, we got the inside 50, and you boys outnumbered us. You either walked it through for a behind, or you won the ball, and, and out you went. You just took off out the fat side every time. Rook takes off. Lonigan's going to go in that direction. Well done. Oh, that could be 50. Good coach and poor use of the footy. That's, uh, they've been inside 50, 17 times the catch. It should have been 18 on that occasion. And as right Lee said, that's a massive number. They changed the deliberate rule after they did. Oh, yeah, yeah you talk about so 10 many, through. Yeah. Well, Brent Guerra turned around 40 metres. <laughs> yeah. <and, laughs> <and, laughs> <and, laughs> <laughs> that's right. But that, I remember because it didn't allow our midfielders to get to the other side because it just went in. Walked it through, mm. or you won the ball and straight back out the other side. So I, I, I have nightmares about Clinton Young just on the fat side, just mm. winning the ball and having three bounces down the wing. Mm. He's one of the great stories too. He was Norm Smith at halftime. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he, was had his, he had his hands on it at halftime, mm. does his ankle, and they gift it to Hodgie. Renner from Blake, Bartell high, no. Saul trying to crash through. Birchill again getting another one to Lewis. They're starting to build here. Young's on the right Danger. side for him. A left footer loads it up. Franklin and Scarlett, it's going all the way. It's a goal. Can you believe it? Hawthorne's in front. 
I think you guys, Moons, had something like 17 or 18 inside 50s in the first quarter, and it was a pretty even first yeah. quarter. But I think Chappie had a shot on goal, a snap 30 metres out, had two blokes open um, and, and went for the shot on goal mm. and ballooned it and missed. Did it feel like even early in that quarter that things were starting to go awry or...? Chapman did well. This could sting here. Chapman running hard. That was clever. Ottens has got time now. He's a good finisher. Strolls in. Can think all about it. And miss. Can you believe that? To solve every play here. Well done, Latson. Back to Brown. How hot is this footy? Saul can't quite get through. Varko puts the tackle on. Lonigan's down at the moment. Still can't get it out. Brown to Blake. Little give. Johnson fends off. Gets some time and space. Goes for goal and gets his man Mooney. Strength. Great kick. It was Harley was down. Sorry, guys. That's Harley. He's in a bit of strife. But that's his brute strength by Cam Mooney. Must run in a straight line and kick the goal, and he misses. How's that? That's pressure. That is pressure. That's a side that's being pushed. They've had a lot of the play and haven't been able to put it on the scoreboard. Their skipper's gone down. Oh, look, I, I obviously missed that one just before half time, but. Um, you know, Brad Ottens thanks thanks me every day because I'm the one that cops the blame. But he ran into an open goal, 25 out. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lonigan standing in the goal, <laughs> screen, all by himself. And the big pill had a ping and missed it. And I'm just sitting there on the best going, oh, no, this is not going to work for us. And then – so we had a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. The way that we set up uh, forward line structure and then obviously I missed that one. I missed two either side of half time. So it just – things weren't working out for us and I could feel it as the day was going on, that we were gone. Particularly by the end of the third quarter, I knew we were cooked. What that, about you, Saul? Hang on, hang on, Digo. That, that, so that second quarter, that second term shot, Moons, let's talk about that now. So it was... Um, oh. <laughs> you, you didn't hear that right. <laughs> a, you're on a tight angle. I nightmare. just skipped over that yeah, really nicely. It's 10 metres out. Um, what were you thinking at the time? Was the sphincter tightening a bit? No, well, oh, look, it was a little bit. I mean, I actually missed... That exact shot, round one against Port Adelaide uh, in the first quarter, I remember it. Was, um, but I remember taking the mark, and you talk about Youngy having his hand on the North Smith. Mm. I actually thought my my hand might have been on it as well. <laughs> Kicked a couple in the first quarter and all of those. I was flying, and I actually I actually did feel like I had the game in the palm of my hand. Mm. I really did. I felt strong. I felt fit, and felt like I had. I knew Crody was cooked. You know, he had a mm. busted foot. Yeah. I saw him go off halfway through the second, so I'm going, you know, there isn't a a defender out there that can play on me. Yeah. So I was feeling really good. Take that mark on Birch uh, just before the break, and I was actually put on a bit of an angle. I actually thought I marked the ball inside the square, so I should have been dead in front. Mm. Scotty McLaren put me on this angle. I'll never forgive you, Scotty, <laughs> if you're watching. Um, so anyway, as I'm walking in, I'm a little bit nervous about the shot because I knew you know, if we kick this, we go in, we go in, in, in the lead. Yep. Um, and I'm thinking, well, if I kick this, I've kicked three. I've got Norm Smith wrapped up, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and these boys are flying. I yeah. thought, what a better way. I'm going to run through and I'm going to put one on Birch. Yeah. I wasn't going to hit him. I was just going to run straight through. I mean, we knew what would have happened then. Mm. Hodgie oh, would have ran in. Yeah. Campbell would have ran in. Bang, bang, would have knocked those <laughs> two boys. <laughs> and it would have been great. I'm thinking, how exciting. So I was pretty excited about what might have just about what was about to happen. And mm. unfortunately, Sully, I got the first bit wrong. Mm. <laughs> well, Sully, just on that, Moons are talking about his role. Um, a bit surreal that Ablett's still playing, hmm. but... You were one of the great taggers back then, and you got always the big job. 
Who did you take out of that midfield? Because I can't remember. Uh, you had a few to choose from. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so I started. I started. I started on Jimmy, and the way that the way that I played and the way we kind of played as a as a midfield then was you'd kind of you'd go to one of the midfielders and then you'd pick up the trends of the game and then start working off yeah. them. Um, and so I went to went to Jimmy early, and I remember the first ten or fifteen minutes just completely being out of sorts, running around a bit of a headless. Sure, yeah. trying to get into the game, yeah. and it wasn't until a, um, a, a tackle at the top of our defensive 50 where it kind of just woke you up a little mm-hmm. bit and you kind of get up, shake your head, and like, okay, I'm ready to go now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we'll start on Jimmy and then just played the game out from there and um, then just uh, yeah, kept rolling from there. That second quarter tackle, Cyril Rioli on the wing. I mean, now that he's retired, we yeah. think back as that moment. I think he, he tackled uh, Corey Enright first and then stripped Maxi Rook. Mm. It, was one of the, yeah. it was an absolute wrecking ball of a play. And, and that was almost Cyril Rioli encapsulated. Do you remember that moment, it giving you a lift, a lift possibly? Because it was um, it was a brilliant moment in that game. Yeah, I was just talking about it before. Those moments, they sort of grow. Their mystique grows as time goes on, right? So You don't notice them as much on the field. No, do you? You, you don't. Or you might feel a momentum switch a little bit because from memory it was it 3v1 2v1 on that wing and you guys were out had yep. Cyril not um, you know dived and lunged and just did enough to keep the ball and, yeah. you know, wrap him up like Zohar <laughs> yeah. I mean he had no right you know 80, 75, 80 kilos dripping wet playing you know, on Enright and, and Max Rook two big yeah. men mm. but just did enough to hold it up and um, and allow us to get back in the game at that point in time youngest player on the field I mean he just had that ability to lift to, to the occasion. He won the Norm Smith a few years later, yeah. but he just looked like he belonged at that level when the pressure was at its highest. Yeah, he did, and I think he, I reckon he played every game that year. He if did. not, no, he, he only missed one or two. No, so as a as an eighteen year old straight out of Scotch, mm. I mean, to and his time was obviously managed mm. forward pocket and, and and bench and whatnot. But he was one of those guys that only needed to touch the ball five or ten times. His influence was was huge, and um, was certainly the case on the day. I remember the grand finals are made. For guys like Cyril, because yeah. oh, yeah. it's a pressure game, yeah. and it's just no, nothing's really clean, nothing's really fancy. It's just high pressure, mm. whack, 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 and that's what his game was mm. all about. Well, I told the story a number of times when he retired, but um, I was standing around when he had his first training session you know, pre-season in '08, and they were doing the balls, and it was it was insane what he was doing. And one of the camera, the coach, he goes, "Someone go to Cyril's car and rip." The Box Hill uh, part out of his Melway. <laughs> <laughs> He's never coming there. <laughs> and we all chuckled. Yeah, hey, good one. But yeah, right. it was right with it. He yeah. played every single game. He was a little wiry, 70 kilo, and just a tackling machine. Yeah, did he play one game at Box Hill for his career, or it would have been the final? Oh, Only, I don't know if he ever did. Yeah, he played the one grand final before the... F- Fifteen, oh, before the final. 14 that's or 15, right, grand, fi- oh. grand final. Because oh. he was allowed to play on the back of yeah. the seniors were still going. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, right. yeah that's true. Outstanding first half in the grand final. But in that second term, had Geelong squandered their chances. 1-9, they kicked to Hawthorne's 3-1. Against the run of play, it's the Hawks by three points at the major change. Halftime comes, you guys are uh, clearly... Riding it up to your eyeballs, Suli. What was it like in the in the Geelong rooms? What was Bomber saying? Because it things were starting. Yeah, to look, go I'll be honest. I had no idea. I was in a complete different world at that stage because I was so embarrassed about what had just happened. Um, it really affected you. Yeah, oh, it really affected me. It affected it still affects me today. Um, but it absolutely gutted me that I, I missed that. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Um, and then we go into half time, and I see Tommy Harley's groggy and concussed. So. 
and the longer the longer the game went, and the longer Hawthorne were either with us or just in front of us, you could just you could yeah. just feel that mm. they were going to win the game. But at halftime, I've got no idea what was said to be honest. Mm. And let's go down and join Bomber Thompson, the Geelong coach, with Tim Watson. Uh, Bomber, I didn't uh, see your skipper there at halftime. Is he okay? Uh, he's still lying down on the bench. He, uh, he probably won't start the game, Tim. Are you expecting, yeah. expecting to come back on at some stage? Uh, I'm not too sure, but we're hoping, yeah. Uh, the first half, was it some wasted opportunities and all that, do you think? Yeah, we had 33 entries, which is a hell of a lot against when you play against Hawthorne, and we just didn't get the, uh, the score on the ball. We didn't score enough goals. And the message at halftime? Uh, just a bit more composure, and uh, just it doesn't matter who really gets the goals as long as the, the uh, Geelong Footy Club does. At halftime, Clarko's tactics went through the roof, didn't it? He rubbed off half a shark. Didn't he? And he said, it's half dead. <laughs> We've got them where we want them. What do you remember about half time? Because um, you were the underdog going in. Yeah, I, 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 can't, well, I think, we were, the, I think we were the biggest favourites of all time, weren't mm. we? Was it, you, you were just mm. in you front? Just no, no, you guys were just. Well, we were, I was, I kicked, ahead, I if I kicked the goal, we would have been in front. Okay, yeah. but you'd had scoreboard, you'd had a hell of a lot more shots on goal yeah. and more inside. Pitch, more so shots and more inside. I, I remember feeling on top by more than four points mm. when probably shouldn't have. Momentum was going our way and we felt like you'd had your chances, you didn't take them. Mm. So now when we get our chances, we will take them and mm. we'll get more opportunities in the second half. Mm. Um, so we, we felt really, you know, momentum was with us going in at halftime and, and um, certainly more than hopeful. What about your shots in the third quarter? One from mm. probably 35, the next one from 50 metres out Moons. Was it was it in your head, that, that last one from the second quarter? No, well, the first one came in, I reckon it was the first entry of the third quarter and Campbell was playing on with Brownie because yeah. uh, obviously Crody had gone off. So I thought, oh, well, I'll make, I'll make it up here. I've got to, got to do something. So the ball came in and I've taken a mark over the top of him. And gives Mackie some space and then Mackie kicks to Mooney. He's just not tall enough, but they kicked it into space. It was a really clever kick by Mackey. You'll see him here. He's just, he's just two or three There's inches mark, below. Cameron. And Cam Mooney's in pretty good form at the moment. Corey's ability in heavy traffic there oh. to win that ball. And, uh, and then they have that outlet uh, player. They keep their width very well. Wow. Well, Mooney in the last minute. Footy has missed yeah, the morale must be sapping just a little bit. Otten's missed that made a good up behind in a certain goal, running into the open goal. Mooney missed just before half time. And I'm just going, you can't you've got to be <laughs> kidding me. Like this is bad. I thought if I kick that, put us in front, who knows? Yeah. And that's what hurts so much. Whether we go on and win those games, we'll never know. But we we would have been in front at half time, we would have been extended that lead after half time. Who knows what happens? Mm. So that's the thing that really kills me but so I missed that one and then by then I'm starting to just get down and down and down and, mm. and then I have another shot and by then I was starting to cramp up as well so I've leant back and sprayed that one as yeah, well and it's a warm day so I've kicked two goals three and gone oh god what this about? isn't going well just invaluable well he's not kicking straight now no. is he it's become no, he's an issue well, well, he's kicked one from the boundary here from uh, 30 metres out in the first quarter and uh, it's really hurting him now. This really saps him up. It really does. When all of a sudden you're earning the shots and you're missing them, it's just a question whether Geelong can got to keep persevering. One of the greatest moments uh, I can remember is the Stuart Jew. Yeah. Like, when he arrived at the footy club, it was like a herd of buffaloes under a doona <laughs> running behind him, <laughs> wasn't it? 120 kilos. Send him to Decatur and get rid of all this excess weight. But worth his weight and goal. Where were you when that moment happened? Because it was a willow, dewy... 
combination mm. tackling, yeah. and then there uh, was a there was there was a mark centre wing that was arguably more important that, that started the ball rolling. It might have been on yeah. Kelly. 305 games, he pulls it back towards the middle. Hard to move Stewie Jew in that situation. Jew inside the ball at 50. We only thought about going back. Now he's got the crown. Franklin didn't take the mark, but all's well. It ends well. He was in the centre square, yeah, kicked along to Franklin, yeah. who offloaded to Rioli yeah. about 40 metres out. But he took, did take a strong a mark. Strong contested Kelly mark. was up against him, mm, and yeah. I think uh, Bruce or BT called it and said, you can't move Stuart Jew, yeah, in, the, in that sort of yeah, situation. Yeah, so I think that was the, that got the ball rolling for, for Dewey, and that was five or seven minutes or whatever it is in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, arguably the most influential five minutes in AFL history, mm. it was just phenomenal. Everything he touched turned to gold. And um, two of the most unlikely guys in our team, and, and no disrespect, but to, to Willow and Dewey, their efforts in that forward pocket, yeah. the second, third, fourth efforts, yeah. um, you'd probably combine Willow's second efforts of his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> probably all of that encapsulated in that third quarter. Yeah. Taylor. Whoops, some indecision. Taylor surrounded by Hawks. Strong tackle going down by Bateman. It must be like when you're a coach and you, and you go out on a limb and bring in like Clark has brought in Stuart and everyone's going, what has he brought in? Yeah. 20 kilos overweight. When he, when he, when he watched that third quarter back, he must have just gone, jeez, yeah. I was well, on we, the I mean, ball we, there. We, 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 yeah. probably, we don't win that game unless Dewey's there. Awkward one for Mooney. They just can't buy a key forward now. Looney's inaccuracy has really taken him out of the game to a certain extent. No longer a real factor. The ball inside the forward 50. Over the football, Williams digs it out. Jew once more. An unlikely bulky hero. Feeds a hand pass to Williams. He stumbles. But the ball from South Fremantle gets it back to Jew. He's in desperate trouble. Him passes back. Williams goes in. And the, the work that Dewey had done the week before in terms of his experience and his grand final and grand final week mm. experience mm. Yeah. and finals experience, we'd brought him into the leadership group six weeks prior, mm. just to, you know, young leadership yeah. group, just mm. to settle the group a little bit and boys, you actually have to enjoy it at the same time. Yeah. It's, fu- um, it's funny, isn't it, when he arrived, like... Um, I only questioned, well, I only questioned Clarko once prior to that. He brought Brent Guerra down to train at Trinity and, you know, he's bald and... I said, mate, you're going against your your model. Like, I mean, it, it's a youth policy, mate. Like, we're getting this fossil down. He goes, mate, he's 23. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, hack- you're hitting him because he's lost his hair. So when Dewey arrived, Clarko and Chris Pelkin had, you know, had a blue because, Big blue, yeah. and like yeah. you were saying, Moons, like to get a bloke in like that, that a massive stink, and it was about. You're going against your model, but he knew he needed him. Mm. And um, like you said, when he um, came into the leadership group, but what did he what did he provide match day? As a, yeah, as a player, um, I think as a player, just the stability at you know, half forward's a difficult position to play for anyone. And again, 
Dewey was a sort of a 70, 80 metre player in that with his leg. Yeah. Um, and it was so damaging. Again, mm. he only needed to touch, you know, get eight, eight to ten kicks. Um, and if he wasn't scoring the goals, his yeah. score involvements mm. yeah. was, uh, was critical. So, um, and and he was he was an old senior head. Mm. I mean, with that finals experience that we didn't have. There was two goal assists in that third quarter and then two goals himself, that sort of left foot swivel, yeah. 40 metres out straight Which in front. It's huge. Yeah. Like it's a massive kick off yeah. two steps. And an absolute bullet. And then and the, the, one, the one closer yeah. to the boundary. And then he pumps the fist to the crowd and that felt like the that was the moment of the oh, game. Oh, that was a breaking point for us. Yeah. Well, that's what he's there for, isn't it? That is what the Stuart Jordan is recruiting for because he kicks goals. Kicks goals from half chances. Well, you would have thought if anyone was going to struggle in the hot conditions out here today was someone who may be carrying a little bit of weight, but not stupid you. He's been unbelievable. And Clarko, he went out, they went out and recruited this bloke for this exact reason. Well, Blakey, where I saw it, I remember sitting in the forward line and I'm... I'm still thinking about the missed shots that I had. So, <laughs> so my head was just out of the game. And I'm sitting there in a daze. And then I'm watching him go bang. And then I watch Cyril kick one as well. And then he kicks that snap. I'm going, oh, this is going to be, yeah. we're done. Quarter time in the grand final. Hawthorne lead by 17 points. It's been 24 years since the team's come from behind at three-quarter time and won the grand final. Well, I think that last minute and a half of that quarter showed that this Geelong team backs themselves. They will play four quarters of their football. Hawthorne need to play the last like, as well as they played the first three. What about three-quarter time? Because Bomber, um, we don't know much about him as a coach. Mm. He can give us a little bit of an insight, but... Was it 20-odd points at three-quarter time? I reckon it was a, a decent margin. Do you remember what three-quarter no, time was mate, about? mate, I was in my own world again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still thinking about that. Yeah. Shot no, look, he would have been just saying just our biggest our biggest thing was just to keep going forward. And that's the whole thing with Clarko was just to keep taking the game on. Higher risk, higher the reward mm. was our motto, basically. So he would have been just drilling into us, just go, 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 go. Because mm. we had the capabilities of, of knocking, you know, of scoring four or five goals in, in the click of a finger. Mm. So that's what we would have been thinking. But you could tell we just weren't playing that well. And these boys are just on top of the game at that stage. And you're belting up the wrong player, too. You're going after Hodge. Why don't oh, you go yeah. after Xavier Ellis and a couple of those lighter <laughs> blokes? Because he so had a pretty big influence, him. too. That's, that's, that's the best game of his career. Yeah. yeah. So Xavier was huge. So, just on Stuart Jew, when he arrived early days, did you think he was going to make it? Like, did you think he was genuinely too, un- too unfit to make it at AFL level? Were there times uh, there where it, it went off course a bit? You know, you didn't, you were unsure? <laughs> No, it didn't because we'd seen enough on the track yeah. that, I mean, no, no one plays four minutes in a game anyway. They certainly didn't then besides maybe the full back. Mm. Um, and so he only needed to play a half to three quarters to have an influence on a game. Mm. And as I said, he only needed to touch the ball mm-hmm. um, 10 or 12 times to have a huge impact centre forward. Yeah. So... Um, when we, you're doing the skin fold test in the footy, was everyone like... <laughs> Dewey <laughs> <laughs> had the cricket bat out over a hundred, three yeah, measurements. Sure. I'm not sure, but um, the stuff we saw at him, yeah, you know, his dedication as well, the amount yeah. of work that he did, he did a heap, yeah, massive, huge amount of work, mm-hmm. and and the confidence that, that Jack and Clarko had in him, um, and he's such a likable character too. He he was he was as important off the field mm-hmm. in terms of a connector. Um, 
he was uh, he could he could speak to to Bud mm. uh, and Ruff and Lewis, the young guys, as, as easily and connect with them as much as he could mm. um, some of the older guys. So it was really important. When, it, when was it, the decision a, to get him? It was in was it, after uh, it was halfway through the uh, 07, I reckon it was. I think. So did he do a full pre-season? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, so he, yeah he did. Yeah. He did. When yeah. he arrived, Clarko took him straight. Well, Jack Russell, Andrew Russell, took him straight to Kikoda and he dropped 10 in a week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That third quarter is also big for you, Sully, because you, you caught fire. I think you had uh, eight possessions in about a 15 to 20-minute period. Did you feel as if your impact was growing there? I think there were a couple of big balls, sort of midfield half forward that, that you won, a couple of big tackles. You know, Did you feel yourself growing into the game at that point? I wish I could remember. <laughs> I feel pretty good now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I might have yeah, been 10 or 15 <laughs> possessions. Yes, <laughs> that's up. Hot as a pistol, the pretzel. <laughs> um, oh, I've got no idea. But I, I think... The recollection was just we had the momentum. Mm. Yeah, it was going. It was going our way. Yeah, um, and uh, and particularly after half time, yeah, had the opportunities, didn't take them. We'll get ours. Mm. Yeah, we'll take them. Our second halves from memory, third quarter in particular, had always been strong. Um, we'd been really good, and it was just a matter of time till we ground them down and, and got over the top. Quickly on Franklin. He's done it. He's done it. He's put the awesome on the cake. He's made it hard now. <laughs> what about Big Buddy? Um, so, I mean, he was a, a young player, but becoming a superstar of the competition. I think he bagged 102 goals yeah. that year. What are your recollections of, of him around that time? I mean, did you, do you feel like, was he a guy, you know, who just wanted to be out there in the, in the big dance, yeah. you know? Yeah, he, he was the rock star, mm-hmm. wasn't he? He, he, became, he became the rock star the year before in the, two, in the prelim against Adelaide oh, and Etihad. Kick seven. No, elimination, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, yeah, elimination. Yeah, elimination. Yeah. 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 It's just that one vision of him standing yeah. against the crowd after he's yeah. kicked the sealer, essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was born for the big stage, wasn't he? And yep. uh, that's <laughs> certainly been indicated since then. <laughs> Mate, he, he was funny because that year in 08, he struggled with his goal kicking a little bit. And um, Chief came down. Was that when yeah. Chief was training? <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Oh, what happened there? Oh, he just tried to put the poles out and tried to get him to run straight. And Buddy had an air swing because he's trying to take that big <laughs> arc out of his <laughs> kick. And Bud stormed off and go. I said, "What's the matter?" He goes, "That fat bastard doesn't want me to break his record." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he ended up kicking a hundred. So then he, he started to struggle from thirty, but from forty and fifty, he was yeah, nailing everything. Yeah. So Damien Harwick and I pulled him aside and. Dimmer goes, hey, bud, what about we um, we go from uh, – when you mark at 30, walk back to 40, 50 and kick from there. Anyways, listen, he's not saying a word. Anyway, Dimmer went through this whole spiel and he, and he went, okay, Dimmer, if I'm on fire, I'll do it my way. If I'm really struggling, maybe I'll try it your way. Probably unlikely because <laughs> that's how I roll. And walked off and I said to Dimmer, what do you say to that? He goes, yeah, not much. <laughs> but the moment Sully's talking about, like seven goals in his first final, mm. he had no idea when he kicked that, what the score was, yeah. like in the time of the game. It was just, I've got to get another one. So his philosophy's always been, I'm, if I kick 2-7, who cares? I'm having nine shots at goal. Mm. I'll get nine, you know, I'll get 7-2 one day. But mm. in that granny, he didn't have the massive influence, did he? No. It was pretty collective in terms of Willow. and Well, Scarlo had a cracking game on him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That was probably the one time Scarlo really played on him was that day, and Scarlo played really well. I think he got one late, which was one of the sealers type of thing, and yeah. Not far enough. Mitchell on. quickly goes on to the left foot. The captain's kicked the goal. It hasn't been a great day so 
about the last quarter moons halfway through probably inevitable you're going to lose mm. it knowing that you've won one and I'll ask you in a minute because you never won one but what was the feeling halfway through there because there wasn't such there wasn't any big moments in the last quarter but it was more no. a grind wasn't it it was a protecting um, the lead sort of oh we were, you you were starting I was starting to feel gutted and again like go back to from a personal point of view I was starting to feel like because I blame myself for the grand final so I was starting to feel that coming through all of those type of things. But I remember grabbing Ruffy with a couple of minutes to go because I think he went spare man down back late. Mm. And the ball was down the other end. I grabbed him and said, mate, just enjoy it. This is going to be the best week of your life. Yeah. Have a great time. Mm. And we gave each other a bit of a hug before the end of the siren because I knew once the siren went, mm. he'd be off. And I, and I loved I loved Ruffy. So I gave him a little bit of that. But at that stage, mate, I just wanted to get off the ground. So the last little bit of play and what's been... A memorable grand final. It's lived up to its hype. Franklin got it from Jew, dropped it to Crawford. A little soccer off the ground. Rioli and Enright. Taylor, Buddy runs him down. Hawthorne, the champions. The long wait for Crawford over. What a team on and off the field they've turned out to be. The worst part was... You know, and you've lost one as well. So you, when you sit down at the end of the game and you've got to watch the other team get the medals, and I do crawl, uh, this is what I'm talking about, <laughs> throw something at him on stage. Well, all of those things, it's, it's the most gut-wrenching thing to lose one, but then to actually see the opposition get up there, and mm. which Port Adelaide would have done the year before mm. and all that type of thing. But, yeah, that's, that's a bad moment, that one. Number nine, Shane Crawford. What about Trent Crow, um, Sully? I mean, he played a massive role, was recruited back to your club, but then um, gets the foot injury, bumps Selwood, I think, on, on yeah. his way to the mm, bench, yeah. and then doesn't play um, footy again. What Did you talk to him at half-time or after the game? What were you, uh, I mean, it's a really sad way to go out, but His bone actually went well. above, like yeah, it snapped and went up. We absolutely smashed it, mm. and he shattered his foot. Um it's, it's a really sad story because that's a full back. He could have played another probably five or six years. Yeah. Um, and athletically, we know he was you know, really yeah. strong. That was one of his strengths. Mm. So, And important to you. Oh, hugely important to And us. what was his motto? Look good, feel good, play good. <laughs> look, look good, feel good, play good. Number 24, Trent Crode. He'd shave down, he'd have a haircut, he'd lube himself up with oil, and that's that. And the boys used to come in every year, and Clark would have your meeting, go, you know, this year we saw you, you're going to get a few roles, you're going to do this, you need to do this preseason. Da, da, da. Then they'd say, Trent Crow to come in, and Clark had given him a little laminate of the round, and, and the big key forward, he goes, just look after those each week. <laughs> and he's stuck it in his locker. Meets this week. Yep, no dramas. I'll just, just stop him. Keep, yeah. it, Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. It's important for Crody. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he, I mean, it's, it's a pretty interesting journey, isn't it? Starting at Hawthorne as a high draft pick mm. and then going to, to Frio and then, but that was for Hodgie. Yeah, and Mitchum oh. coming back. Yeah. It's just Hawthorne has pillaged so many teams over the years yeah. with their draftings <laughs> and, and swapping of players and they've just yeah. nailed it. Yeah, they really have. So, um, I mean, pretty important to have put one in the back pocket. It's a bit of a shame he could have played on for a bit longer. 
What about Sully? Where were you when the siren went? Because you see the highlights and the moments. Yeah. Can't remember where you were. No, what are no you? Idea. What are you? You don't um, remember? Nah. You're just trying to look for someone, aren't you? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? Um, I, I think Mitch was the first. First, it was the closest one. Um, but it's all a blur, isn't it? Mm. It really is. The um, well, the, when, the, when the siren goes, that first twenty minutes, you try and explain to people the feeling that goes through your body, but you, you just can't. But no. the adrenaline that runs through you is is incredible. The emotions take over. They said you're looking for someone to hug, and then when you start hugging, you cry. And, you're not a hugger, surely, man. Oh, oh, big cry, a big hugger. <laughs> but it's the best. It's the best feeling of your life. When that siren goes, mm. how did you deal with the the loss and the days afternoons? How did you go? No, I, I really struggled. Mm. I really struggled. I struggled for weeks on end, uh, to the point where I didn't want to leave the house. Uh, didn't want to go down and do the groceries because I thought everyone was looking and laughing, and so I really struggled with it for a long time. Even driving down to uh, to Geelong because I was living in Melbourne mm. uh, every day for training. You know, I, I had to pull over the car a couple of times because I was just just a mess. Because so I just thought I'd, I'd ruined every chance of us one going back to back, which is, as you know, it's one of the hardest things to do going back to back. But you never know when you're going to get another shot. So for me, that could have been our last chance of winning a premiership. So I was pretty gutted at that stage. So did you share that with anyone? When- no, not really. I ended up speaking to someone a little bit later on, but yeah, I held it on, held on to it for about three or four months. How'd your wife cope with all that? Uh, probably hit it from her a bit as well. Yeah. yeah, I was pretty crushed though, pretty crushed. And you, were, I guess you were the you were the enforcer. Well, yeah. Well, that's why the O nine one was arguably my my most special, just because mm, it, it just took the the weight off my shoulders of I ruined any chance of this club winning another premiership. Mm. So I remember after the O nine winning it, I didn't let go of the cup for about an hour. Yeah, <laughs> boys were coming. I said, Nah, <laughs> sorry, boys, it's mine for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just holding it, just saying this is the greatest moment of my life because I, and I actually got up. We actually spoke after the grand final in the room, just the players and the coaches, and we all went through, you know, Otto, you say something, Moon, you say mm. something. And, and Bomber said, Moon, you let it off. And I actually didn't break down and cry. I said, boys, you've got no idea how hard this year's been for me, and I just can't thank you all enough for, mm. for bringing this home again. You know, so that was pretty special. <coughs> what about... So, yeah. Sorry, Dicko. So how did you guys handle it? Because the next couple of years, yeah. you know, there was a bit of a downturn for Hawthorne. I think even Chris Fagan said, or Mark Evans at the time said that, you know, maybe the boys partied too hard. Did you feel that at the time or know that at the time or oh, feel so like no. it's getting out of hand or just enjoying yourselves? Yeah, no, certainly not at the time. Um, in retrospect, without a doubt, that played a part. And what we learnt from that, I think then played into the next, you know, yeah. from 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, and getting us back on that journey again. But a really young side. A really, really young side that. Um, Very uh, rarely do you see a young side win a premiership and then know how to handle it pre seasons yeah. next year and yeah. come back and you forget about it. You've got to forget about it the year before. Mm. And, and you the, don't. And it's, a, it, it's, it's equally hard for the players as it is the club as well. Because, mm. of course, for the coaches, it's a, a huge. Relief or commitment, if you like, mm. that um, all the decisions that they'd made, and then for the club in entirety too. I mean, everybody's walking on cloud nine, and to put all of that to the side again mm. and start back um, at ground zero. But people say you win and you 
you can't win you can't win the premiership in November. But you can lose it. But you can lose it. Mm. Mm. If you're coming back out of shape, if you let yourself go, if you're not in the right mindset and ready for preseason and for the fight again, mm. um, you can certainly yeah you can lose. The it. hardest thing next year is is realizing everyone's coming at you mm. every game, yeah. every quarter. That's the toughest thing to to back up yeah. um, when everyone's you know you're the hunted basically mm. when you spend a year hunting. It's easy. Yeah, it you is. know, you get yourself up because you want to knock everyone over. All of a sudden, you've got the worst teams in the comp still trying to belt you. Mm. You know, you don't get a day off. And you, I mean, we had we lost our full back. Crody didn't play again, of course. Um, Clinton Young, Norm Smith, potential Norm Smith mm. medalist. He uh, syndesmosis in his ankle. He uh, he might have only played a couple of games late in the year, but never really had any influence um, that year again. Croft retired. Um, and the young group, you parlay that on top of everything, mm. and things fell away pretty quickly. Mm. And it, Clark had changed the game plan. Yeah, he well, the start of the year. He changed the game plan at the start of the year. It wasn't until the start of two thousand and nine where we'd lost six in a row that we tightened it again against Essendon yes. and we got on top. Maybe we go back to that. <laughs> what, what we're doing, right? He put yeah. his hand up though. He Credit did. to him. Mm. He always does, doesn't he? Dicko, perhaps wrapping up. But what about Croft's role in the grand final? I mean, he was pretty sore coming into that. Um, yeah. wasn't he? I, don't, I don't think he even kicked the ball much in the grand final. He, he had a bad knee. He much, handballed really a lot. The whole year, yeah. yeah. And I um, can't remember whether he was getting it drained or not, but, uh, yeah, he was struggling big time. I think there was even a stage leading before the finals that Clarko was almost, I don't know if I can play her. Yeah. So he knew it was in the balance a bit, mm. and you're thinking 300-gamer, what he's done in the game. And because he had Sawley through the mid, Louis, uh, Mitch, so they had plenty of coverage through there. Um but, yeah, going into that one, I didn't know whether that would be his last or not, but um, that's funny when Moon's just talked about him going, that's what I'm talking uh, about. Every, I, I jerried straight away. I, went, I, I clapped him because um, Johnny O'Neill, one of our good mates, every time we go to the races and his horse wins, he goes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Crawl was just letting it all rip. But I was actually wrapped for him because he'd gone all that way. Like, we played through a, a pretty tough era. Mm. We, I arrived in 94, missed the finals first time in 14 years of Hawks. I retire and they win it. Mm. He's arrived and gone through all that. And then I'm thinking, mate, is he going to hold on <laughs> and get one? And then to finish on it, Granny, like, could you ride it any better? Yeah. yeah. Was it was it inspirational seeing him out there, Sully? Or can you remember the impact he had out there before, yeah. after, during? Yeah, I mean, we, we had a couple of moments throughout the year where Croft really let his guard down and spoke about how much... It obviously means to him, and and, mm. and he was the antithesis of the club. So what it means to the club, and he got really emotional during those times. And so again, for a young group to sort of see that, you can't help for that not to rub off on you, and um, mm. you sort of grow a leg, and everybody um, recognises the importance and the impact of of that year and mm. those games. Mm. It's funny when we finished Kakata, just to finish. Mm. That was when Clarko first got there and we were trying to establish where everyone was at. And you remember when we finished and we had dinner and everyone spoke and yeah. got emotional? Yeah, yeah. Croft just started balling. This is at the end of Kokoda. Yeah. yeah. And and I put my head down and that and I, I think it might have been young, he put my hand on my shoulder and go, it's all good, mate. I go, no, I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was crying because he was crying, but I couldn't handle it. Like, that was too funny. So he couldn't get a word out. <laughs> balling his eyes out. How important was the Kokoda experience then? Oh, it was huge. Know. Yeah. Well, I never played in the 08, but to build um, the foundation so quick with Clark, he, he just said, this is what it's going to be. And the relief for me when he came was, wasn't about goals. He said, I don't care who kicks the goals. And um, 
just play your role. And we thought, oh, that's pretty cliche, but it was bloody true. Mm. Is, that, is that before Willow joined in on that one? Oh, mate. Because <laughs> when, when we were running the forward line, there was me, Buddy, um, uh, Willow, Ruffy, and we were doing the box setup and all that sort of stuff, and he didn't buy in. And this is a true story. So I went to Dimmer and said, no, nah, he's put the cue. He won't move from the goal square. Mm. Like, So it turns out he had a bonus in his contract Oh, he got him out of goal. So Clark, I think, round six goes, I'll pay you bonus, just buy in. He goes, yeah, yeah no drama. <laughs> <laughs> Up the ground he went, went everywhere, you know. So uh, he found it pretty quick and nearly killed Buddy on the first trip. He ate his pack in the first hour. Yeah. That's got to last you the whole day. <laughs> and we all tried to slip him bars and all that. And Clark, he goes, nah, he's got to learn. Nearly killed him. <laughs> we, we could have lost the best forward <laughs> in, o, uh, what was it, 05 oh, yeah. at Kakata. We almost left him there. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy ate all his food on the first day. Yeah, you got a pack and it was two-minute yeah. noodles, condensed yeah. rations, you know, sultanas, snakes. He ate it in the first hour and they had it to last you the whole day and that was part of the journey. Um, but I think Kakao got it back, didn't he? Uh, one of the boys put a big rock in his yeah, backpack, right. and he goes, Jesus, today's been hard. He goes, even harder with a rock in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it out, he goes, you bastard. <laughs> but he loved that sort of stuff. Um, great having you, Moon. Thanks very much for sharing the story boys. of 08 and the pretzel. Brad Sewell, say his name real quick. Pretzel. Um, <laughs> been great having you, Sully, and uh, thanks for your time, boys. Th- thanks, thanks boys. Right, well, Jay, I can tell you, I sat in the box in 2008 behind Alistair Clarkson, but those were some of the great insights. And we know Stuart Jew, obviously a catalyst, but even Twig to me, six weeks out, they put him into the leadership group. They knew something was brewing. I'm an assistant coach for the first time. I didn't know it was brewing. Yeah, it was incredible. The, the whole Stuart Jew story in this game uh, was extraordinary. I mean, he played one of the best quarters, individual quarters, you know, in the past 10 years of, of grand final history. There was no doubt he stepped up in some massive moments, probably as Alistair Clarkson thought, going back 12 months when he was weighing 130 kilos. The big thing for me, Dicko, was just the emotional toll. I mean, hearing Cameron, Cameron Mooney speak then about how much the uh, those costly set shot misses mm devastated him not for the not just the the following preseason the whole year I mean just the, the mental effect how cooked he was from failing on the big stage I mean he's driving to training a couple of months later and having to pull over just because he's so mentally fried and disappointed by himself and it was only until they won that next year's grand final in 2009 over St Kilda of course that he had that that's a pressure release you know that burden lifted off his shoulders so I mean even just sitting here next to him you could clearly tell he was emotional then it, uh, and those misses in 2008 complete, clearly had a huge impact. But did you get the sense, Dicko, you've played in a lot of big football games, did you get the sense listening to him then that they were a bit cocky, a bit overconfident before the bounce? Well, I lost sight that they were going for back-to-back. Yep. Normally there's a big build-up to that, the 107 and Moons was that confident. And I work with Moons, so yep. that's a side I've never seen him before, yep. uh, emotional. But going well, to the photographer and saying, hey, can you make, make sure you get a shot of me after the game? Yeah, it's probably kids. pretty confident, yeah. <laughs> I knew he had confidence, but that was next level, there's <laughs> no like doubt it. about it. So... Outstanding work from you, Jay. It was obviously enthralling to relive 2008. Hopefully you enjoyed it. You've been listening to Don't Argue, powered by Bet Easy.